Welcome back to another episode of Peters Getting to Know You. I am your host, Jen Dawson, Peters Associate Director of Education. And joining me today is the lovely Dr. Irene Lara Corrales. She's an Associate Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Toronto. She's a pediatric dermatologist at the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto, Canada. She has been serving on several PEDRA committees throughout the years, but is currently chairing PEDRA's Acne and HS Focus Study Group. And she's also working on our Best Practices Task Force and Studies Committee. You've heard her voice on two PEDRA podcasts, and you've seen her present webinars on our on-demand education program. She's given talks at PEDRA and several other meetings throughout her career. And she was uh, somebody that I began working with early on when I started, when she was a member of the Communications Committee. So thank you so much for being here, Dr. Irene Lara Corrales. It's a delight to have you. Hi, Jen. A pleasure being here. <laughs> so why don't we start everybody off with your origin story? How did you become a pediatric dermatologist and why? Of course, like I, I am originally from Costa Rica. So um, Costa Rica is a very small country. And the way that specialties like residency programs are offered each year is a little bit different. Like the needs of the country like determines what uh, spots are going to be available each year. So they decide like, oh, this year we don't need more gynecologists. Like, so there are no spots for gynecologists. So that is kind of the way that that was decided, at least when I was uh, presenting my residency exams many years ago. Um, and I always knew, and I don't know specifically why, but I knew that I wanted to be a pediatric dermatologist. So I studied to present for the residency in dermatology. So I spent months studying for this exam. And when they posted the residency programs for that year, there were no spots that they were going to open for dermatology. Oh no. Because I knew that I wanted to work with kids. Then I had like three weeks to study and present myself for my pediatrics residency. And I had already gone through all the different tests and exams and everything to get there. So I decided, okay, so I'll do pediatrics first. And three weeks later, I did my exam and I was accepted into the pediatrics residency. So I ended up doing pediatrics first. Um, and then uh, one of the uh, pediatric dermatologists that works here at SickKids went to lecture uh, to my hospital while I was doing my pediatrics residency. Um, there has always been a very uh, close relationship between the Children's Hospital in Costa Rica and the Hospital for Sick Children here in Toronto. And uh, many of my mentors actually came to do their fellowship programs here at SickKids. Um, so they encouraged me to uh, approach him and learn a little bit about uh, what he was doing here and how pediatric dermatology worked at SickKids. Um, and that's how I met the first uh, pediatric dermatologist from Toronto in Costa Rica. He came to me um, and I ended up applying for a fellowship and was accepted here. Um, and yeah, that was 18 years ago. Uh, I was here. It was a two year plan and we were heading back to Costa Rica and two years became three. I started a master's degree here at the University of Toronto. And then by the time that I was finishing my master, uh, 
Elena approached me and and put the idea like, oh, uh, have you ever thought about staying? And here I am. Oh my goodness. Yes. What a lovely story. Um, what a risk to like have this thing that you're already passionate about that you know you want to do and then not know if any spots are going to become available. That's got to be super stressful. It was very stressful. I can imagine. Um, and you know, believe it or not, you are one of the first people I've talked to who has said that she's always wanted to be a pediatric dermatologist from the beginning. That's rare. I've heard, I've heard so many people say they've been inspired by a derm rotation or they sort of fell into it some way, but what was it about skin and pediatrics that really you were like, this is what I want to do? That is a great question. I think like, I think there's probably like the patients that I was seeing, like I always wanted to work with kids. Like that was a given. Like I uh, actually did not enjoy at all my internal medicine rotations and uh, <laughs> working with older um, adults. Like I knew that I wanted to uh, work with kids. I like making kids laugh. I like making kids better. I like uh, teasing kids to get a smile out of them. Mm -hmm. And I love babies. Um, so I think like that part was very easy to decide. Um, I don't know. I always like dermatology. I uh, probably, I like my family doesn't have a strong medical background. My mom is a pharmacist, but um, I just have a great uncle that is a, a, a physician. Everybody else did not have a medical background. I don't know. There was something about dermatology and, and kids that always attracted me. Um, I think that's wonderful. So I want to shift gears a little bit and I want to talk about, you know, you, you're in Toronto, you've finished your education, you've been, you know, working with uh, Dr. Pope and how does the research get started for you? Like, where does research come in? So research was something that was very new uh, for me. Like research in Costa Rica is not something that is, uh, at least when I was training, it was not very well established. Like we had to do a, a small chart review as a graduation project, but kind of more uh, comprehensive research like randomized controlled trials. There was probably only one of my mentors that did that in the infectious disease department in the children's hospital. And I always admire her quite a bit just because she was able to really get these studies going and was able to contribute to kind of the field. So mm -hmm. I I found that really great, like that she was doing this, but I, I never really thought that I would have an opportunity to do it the way that I'm doing it now. Mm -hmm. So when I came to Toronto, like if you're, uh, the way that the fellowship program, one of the expectations is that you have to complete a research project. So if you're here for two years, you actually get the um, kind of a larger prospective project. If you're here only for a year, you do something smaller, usually a retrospective study. So I, um, when I got here, and maybe this was an aha moment, because one of the conditions that I work with quite a lot right now, and, and I do have a story there that I'll share with you, uh, is epidermolysis bullosa. So probably with EB, like my relationship has been quite long. Um, 
I remember in my first year of pediatric residency, we had a baby uh, born with EV. Mm -hmm. um, it was kind of very simple people that uh, this baby was born into a family that had very, they were from a remote area and they basically uh, thought that this was uh, something that the witch doctor from mm -hmm. this village was able to solve. Mm -hmm. So with epidermal axis bullosa, that there is such a huge fragility of the skin, they took this baby for the doctor to rub all these herbs in the baby's skin. And basically, when this baby got to our institution, uh, it was really shocking because there was pretty, there was not a lot of skin left. Uh, this was a baby that was very, very sick. And uh, I was taking care of her in the ward. So um, I developed like a close relationship with the dermatologist that was uh, working at our hospital. And um, with this baby, like we took care of her for months. Sadly, the family abandoned her at the hospital. So uh, it was a, a very sad story, but one that impacted me and uh definitely it was one of the things that I wanted to uh that patient population I wanted to help um I started getting involved a little bit with Debra in Costa Rica and patients that had epidermolysis bullosa like it was always something that if I knew a patient was admitted I would always go to those patients to try to help out um so when I got here Elena had established an epidermolysis bullosa clinic uh, a year or two before I came. And one of the research projects that we wanted to do was related to EB. Mm -hmm. So that was actually my master's thesis. Uh, so we did a prospective randomized control trial, like wow. kind of what I had seen my mentor do in IT in Costa Rica, but now I was able to do it. And it was really interesting and rewarding to be able to, we were doing home visits, we were going to them to kind of make it easier instead of them coming to the hospital that is always so hard for them. Um, and OSA, I was able to complete this research study and that was kind of a, I guess it was very rewarding to be able to start and finish that project, have a publication out of it. Um, and apart from that project, like I think I was involved in some other re smaller research uh, projects that uh, was very different from my training back in Costa Rica. Wow, what a story. So yeah. you you started that project, you saw it all the way through, you saw it to publication. What were some of the things you learned along the way that surprised you? I think probably the most surprising thing was going to their homes mm. and seeing how they had adapted. Things that we take for granted, like being able to open a door, like, Mm -hmm. they they don't have the same uh function of the hand that we do like especially when their fingers start contracting so they had adapted their uh, doors for codes that they would punch in and the door would open mm -hmm. things like that like they're um seeing how they had adapted their bathrooms to have like one of these open tubs that they could walk in mm -hmm. uh so it was it was really uh, impressive seeing how they really made 
all their surroundings. Like they had like little carts with their dressings, like uh, special tables to do dressing changes. Like I think that was really uh, interesting that if I hadn't been doing this project and going to visit them at home, I wouldn't have been able to to really imagine and see like mm -hmm. the way that they live their everyday. Yeah, you got that real world hands on experience with them more than what you can get or glean in a clinic evaluation. For sure. Wow, that's incredible. So you have a, a very strong interest and are doing a lot of amazing work in EB, but another interest I know you have is HS. So let's talk about HS. Actually, Pedra is responsible for that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll take the credit, but I'm sure it wasn't solely us. <laughs> Well, I have to say, like, one of my good friends here in Toronto that also has a special interest in HS uh, approached us, and I think it was in 2015, to uh, do a re review article for the JAD uh, mm -hmm. on pediatric HS. I think there was they were putting together a supplement on HS, and she wanted a manuscript on pediatric HS. So at the time, we did a... Uh, PubMed search, and there was absolutely nothing about pediatric HS. Like there was no studies. There were very few case reports. It was such a limited amount of information out there that we decided to put our cases together here at SickKids. And we found like, I think it was close to 50, uh, like in many, like it was many years. And I thought that it was uh, a good thing to write them up. But as we were trying to put our cases together, like we had the idea of maybe this is a great project to bring to Pedra and get other centers to kind of put all our cases together and make a bigger uh, case series. So um, we did. And that is how we published on 481 patients with HS. And um, I think because I ended up doing this Pedra project, uh, and having this publication in pediatric HS, I ended up being part of the uh, study group on HS and acne. And uh, I think that's how I, that was my first step into HS world. Um, and um, yes, like now we have other studies going on. Uh, we actually today started our first HS clinic here at SickKids. It's been a uh, a group effort like uh, I'm doing it with two of my colleagues we have one of our nurses that is interested in HS and definitely our social worker mm -hmm. uh, one thing that we know is definitely if HS is underdiagnosed mental health in the patients with HS is something that is very much overlooked mm -hmm. so uh, we're trying to make this a nice holistic clinic to approach not only the skin, but also their quality of life, their mental health, kind of tie everything together for them. Um, so yes, that was my morning today. Well, no wonder your clinic ran long. That's very exciting. <laughs> Congratulations. That is a huge, a huge important thing to have happening. And I love the holistic approach because one thing that we have been so focused on in PEDRA, especially with our stigma study, is that these conditions and these diseases that these kids have affect 
their mental well-being and not just theirs, but their families as well. So in order to treat the skin, you have to treat their feelings and their mental uh, situation as well. So I love the holistic approach to the clinic and that's very exciting. I'm sure you'll be quite busy with that clinic. We already are. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine there's such a need. What are some of the biggest challenges you faced in research? I think probably the biggest challenge that we're facing is that we're not doing enough. We're not doing enough research in pediatric conditions. I think that having all these wonderful new medications coming, approved for adults, and we're still stuck not being able to offer them to kids were probably, I think the way that I see it, like some of these chronic inflammatory diseases, the earlier that we treat them and the earlier that we get control of them, probably the best long-term outcomes that these patients are going to have, not only from a disease perspective, but also from, again, mental health, uh, their life in general. Teenagers, younger kids, like they're, they are developing and kind of growing up with one of these chronic diseases is something that is, it adds to that challenge. And I think like we need more, like we need to partner with pharma. We need to do we need to test these medications. We need to see if they're effective in kids. We, Of course, we need to be careful with the safety, but we also need to study it in a controlled way that not only assures safety, but also gives us that data that we need to be able to get these medications approved for kids. Mm-hmm. So I think if I choose only one, I think that is the biggest challenge. Like we're not doing enough. Well, before we bring this discussion to a close, is there anything about yourself personally you'd like to share a hidden talent or a hobby? I love reading. So I think like I, what the pandemic kind of left for me was uh, enjoyment of audiobooks that before I had to have my books and I had to feel the book and read the book. I think now I'm uh completely into audiobooks. So if I'm cooking in the kitchen alone, I'm I'm usually listening or if I'm driving, I'm listening. And that has made me really increase my uh, reading numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like all the little reading challenges. And <laughs> I, yeah. And I, uh, I guess it's not a true hobby, but I love drinking tea. Mm. Um, I have like all these fancy teas that I love and like I have actually in my kitchen there's like a special drawer like with all the different teas so if you ever come to my house I can give you like a a great tea tour of (laughs) (laughs) different parts of the world (laughs) I love that I I also love tea I am certainly not a connoisseur like you are but I do love that and if I did ever come to your house I would want to peruse your book collection and sip some wonderful exotic tea we'll make it a date when the SPD is physically here in Toronto heck yeah for sure Well, Dr. Lara Corrales, thank you so much for your time. I always enjoy the time I get to spend with you. And thank you for all you do for Pedra. You never tell me no when I come and ask you for something. And I so appreciate it. Uh, This has just been really lovely. Thank you. Likewise, always a pleasure chatting with you. And we're not doing enough. We have to keep it up. We will. We'll do more. We're always doing more. Thank you so much to Dr. Irene Lara Corrales for joining me today on Peter's Getting to Know You. You can find more Getting to Know You's on our YouTube channel at Peter Research. You can also track us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. 
at Pika Research, and you can check us out online at www.pikaresearch.org. If you would like to be interviewed for getting to know you, please send me an email at info at 